This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Why don't you open your Bibles to um, John. What I would encourage you to do is this. A lot of what I'm going to speak about today, it'll be helpful if you go and study Romans chapter 8, the first half of the chapter, because there's a lot of um, synergy between the two. John chapter 16, I'm going to start reading from verse 5. It says, but it's Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I want to speak this morning on created to live from his image. Created to live from his image. In Genesis chapter 1, God is talking to himself. All those who talk to yourself, say, I'm just like God. Okay, just checking to see if you're with me. Let Let us make man in our image. He said, let us make man in our image. The funny thing is when God says something, it happens. He put something in motion. He activated something. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so he created man of the dust of the earth. And in chapter two, God is looking at things and he says to man, He says, my intention is for you to be like us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in a domain called the garden. And in the center of this garden, I'm going to put two trees. I'm going to put the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of anything you like in this garden. You can eat from any place you like, but don't touch that tree. Don't touch that tree because the day when you touch that tree, you will die. And he walked with man in the cool of the evening. Why did he walk with man? Because man was made to be in the image of God. Man was made to be in the image of God. When he created man, he created him of the dust of the earth and he breathed into him his spirit and his life. So when God was walking with Adam in the cool of the day and he was speaking to Adam, he wasn't asking him about anything other than, let me tell you about who I am. Why was he revealing who he was to Adam? He was revealing who he was because he understood that his spirit was inside Adam. And every time he revealed an aspect of himself, what he was doing is he was seeding Adam's life. And Adam, the life that was inside Adam, the spirit of God that was inside Adam, grabbed a hold of what God was saying and it converted it and turned it into life. And Adam became what God had said. When he spoke to Adam about who he was, he was putting him in a process of becoming. You will become like my likeness. You will be perfected in me. That's who you will be. As he walked with Adam, he was sharing with him and he was leading him into a sense of becoming. It was the spirit within Adam that took the words of God and converted them into life. Converted them into life. He converted them into life. God was doing something in Adam and he was organizing Adam so that Adam developed a sense of understanding, not from what he knew, but from who he was. He was saying to Adam, let me introduce you to what it is to be a person of peace. 
And when he spoke about what peace is and what peace was, what ended up happening is the spirit on the inside of him grabbed a hold of that and it created and took the life of peace and created it inside Adam. So it became the root of who he was. It informed the foundation of his life so that it became an expression in who he was. As he lived and as he moved and as he, he, he went through everyday life, he lived from a foundation of peace because it was established on the inside of him. As he lived in peace, he began to recognize and realize what peace was. He began to realize what peace was. He got an understanding when things didn't work out the way that he thought it was. It's okay. I'm not trying to make it okay. It is just because that's who I am. It's just a little bit of a scuffle over there. It's okay. It'll be fine. Why? Because he was grounded and rooted in something. And as a result of who he was and what he was about, he got to a place where he was beginning to discover. God was teaching him in the context of who he has becoming about everything that that he was. He learned from becoming. Vivian had a project at school and she had to, each of the kids had to bring in a little something. And so he, she brought in a recipe on crunchies. You don't know what a crunchy is because a rougher does because he knows everything. Crunchies, it's, it's a South African recipe, but crunchies is like a granola bar that's like really chewy. And so his, her teacher was like, I don't know what this is. What is a crunchy? And so she started to explain to her what a crunchy was all about. I can explain to you about crunchies and I can tell you that it's like a granola bar and that it's a little more chewy than a, a granola bar that's, I don't know, harder than what it is. I can talk to you about the ingredients that it's about rolled oats and it's got butter in it and it's got Lyle's golden syrup in it and it's got a little bit of salt. I can tell you about the ingredients and I can even tell you about the, 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 the process to make them. I can tell you about the recipe, but you don't know what crunchies taste like until you take one and eat it. You don't know until you've eaten it. It's only when you take that crunchy and you put it in your mouth that you suddenly go... Ooh, it smells good. And you take a little bite and you go, I like the flavors. And I love the fact that we've got consistencies that are different to what I expected. And I've got a little bit of a profile of, of saltiness and sweetness. And I'm talking, why? Because I tasted it and I know what it likes, in the, what it tastes like. And in the context of tasting, I could sit and say to you, I really have an appreciation and an understanding as to what a crunchy is. Because I tasted it and it was good. I tasted it and it was good. Until we tasted the things of God, we don't really know them. We have an intellectual understanding of them, but you've never tasted. (laughs) The invitation is to eat from the tree of life. Because when you eat from the tree of life, God takes of the things of him and he gives it to you. And he says, take and eat. Taste and see that I am good. (laughs) The invitation is to tasting, not to understanding. It's to tasting and not to understanding. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking and he's talking to his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And they all say this, that, and the next thing. And then Peter says, but I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. And what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. 
What he was saying to him was this. Understand the things that, that are going to set you up for success in life are not going to come from your understanding. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. What he was saying was, I'm taking you back to the garden. I'm taking you back to the garden, Peter, because the garden was a place where God sat and said, don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because it's not going to lead to anything that's of life. But if you eat from the tree of life, it's going to reveal things to you. Every time God takes something of who he is and he reveals it to us and we rely on the spirit that's on the inside of us to take the life that is in the word that God gives us and to birth it on the inside of us, it touches the foundation of who we are. It establishes a root in who we are so that we can flourish and we can bear the fruit of what that is. (coughs) Taste and see that he is good. Taste and see that he is good. Adam was in the garden. And Satan came to him. And what did he say to him? He said to him, Adam, do you want to be like God? Do you want to be like God? How was Adam not like God? It was a power proposition. It was a power proposition. Because Adam was built in the image of God. And the power... And the authority that he exercised was power and authority that belonged to God, but was given to him to exercise. He didn't have it. It belonged to God. And so the invitation was to become like God, because if you become like God, you will have the power to create. If you take and you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. Your eyes will be opened and you will be able to create. And we know what Adam did. It's a problem that we have too in this day and age. The biggest challenge to the body of Christ is that we still are confronted with the idea that we can be like God, that we think we can take the word of God and that we can create stuff. We still think that we have the power and ability to take the word of God and to create a different person in who I am. And God sits and says, you know what? If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it leads to death, not to life. What ends up happening is we think that because I can take the things of God and I can process them and I can understand them, I contextualize them and I have an in-depth knowledge of them because I have the original Greek, because I can talk about them, because I can get back to the, the, the scripture and the verses and everything else. I think that I have a good knowledge of them and a good grasp of them. The problem with it is I'm relying on my own ability to be able to process the things of God to walk me into life. And what he's saying is it's never going to walk you into that. Unless you eat from the, the tree of life, you never realize what life is. We never realize what life is. And so what ends up happening is we start to pretend that we like that, but we're really not. I'm driving on 66. And I know that I'm supposed to be patient because it's one of the characteristics of Jesus. And I want to be like Jesus. And so what ends up happening is I'm driving on 66. And I've got a 106-year-old granny in the fast lane. And I can't overtake because I've got a truck next to me. And she's driving 42 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour zone. And I'm late for church. And things start to happen. And I start to feel emotions that I haven't felt for a while. And all of a sudden I have some choice words that start to kind of come out of nowhere. And I have some descriptions that need to... What's happening? 
I start to manage all of that because I know that that's not what I'm supposed to be. And so I start to change all of those things. But they're still alive in me. They're still alive in me. You see, we get the things of God and we process them through our knowledge and our understanding. And we know who we should be, but we can't walk into the life of it. But we know what we're supposed to be. So every time it comes up on the inside of us, we begin to manage that stuff. So I look really good and people think I'm very spiritual, but it's still alive. I can't change the life. I couldn't change the life. What he's saying is the Holy Spirit is there. And the purpose for the Holy Spirit is to walk you back into who you were originally designed to be, made in the image of God. The only one who can create patience on the inside of me is him. Because he's walking me back into my image. He's walking me back into God's original design for my life. I can't do it by myself. I can eat all I want, but I'm deceived because I think I'm a God and I think I can create it, but it doesn't happen. I can manage it, but it doesn't change the fact that the life on the inside of me is not reflective of who he is. It's a nature of something else that I'm living from. Jesus is walking along with his disciples and he says to them, it's better for you that I go away. And they sadden by what he has to say. They're saddened by what he has to say. And he's talking to them about the reality that the Jesus that you know, the Jesus that you understand, the Jesus in the flesh, unless I go away, you will never walk into your destiny. They don't get it. What he's saying is, I know what the original design was. Let us make man in, your, in our image. You're not in his image, Peter. You got a little vile temper. You've got a lot to say about stuff. You're quick with the sword and quick with the mouth. And you've got a mouth of a sailor. And all kinds of things are happening. What he's saying is you're not, a, you're not made in your original design. The thing about it is, although you're not created in, in, although you are not in your original design, you know everything about me. You've walked with me for three years. You understand who I am. You've seen me do the miraculous. But unless I go away, you'll never move into your destiny of being conformed to his image. Why? Because the Jesus that I know, the Jesus in the flesh has to go so that the Christ spirit can come on the inside of me. Because it's the Christ spirit that's going to take the things of God and convert them into life, which changes me. I can't change you, Peter. I can't change you. (sighs) They didn't understand. They didn't understand. Because they're sitting at a crossroads with Jesus and Jesus is talking to them about stuff. And Jesus is saying to them, the challenge is you're about to walk into a dimension that you have no clue about. Everything that you've known up until this point is everything that you've been exposed to. Everything that you know is everything that you understand. But things are changing. Things are changing. I'm leaving so that the helper can come. (laughs) We know what the help is because we read the book. They never read the book. They They never had the book. All they know is, all they knew is everything I know is about to change. And I've got this helper person coming. I don't know what the helper person is. I'm at a crossroads because things are going to shift in my life. Because the Jesus that I've known and the Jesus that I've embraced is going to leave. And so that I can embrace this helper that's coming. What does it mean for me? 
sometimes what ends up happening is we see Jesus as the person and we understand and appreciate Jesus as the person, but we see the Holy Ghost as some nebulous force that kind of wanders around. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. It is the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the person, the Christ, had to leave. So the Holy Spirit, the person, could come. Somehow we have in the packing order that the Spirit is not as important as the Christ. But he is. Unless I go away, you'll never realize your destiny. Unless I go away, you'll never realize that you are the fact that you were created in God's image. Because I can show you who you're supposed to be, but I can't make you it. Only when the Spirit has come, only when the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, will it move you to a place where it's not about what you know, it's about who you are. It's about shifting you from what you know to who you're becoming. Because I'm taking you back to God's design for your life. You were created in his image. You were created in his image. They didn't understand that things were shifting fundamentally in ways that they, they, they had no concept of. They were stepping into paradigms that they, they had no idea about and they were about to navigate waters that they'd never been in before because dispensations were changing. They didn't even know about that. But they came out of the dispensation of the word. The dispensation of the word was when, G- when God spoke, he didn't speak because he, wasn't, he never had life in people. So what he did is he came to Sally and he said, Sally, take this word to living faith. And Sally came and said, thus saith the Lord. And everybody went, okay. He spoke through Moses. He spoke through his prophets. Why? It was the dispensation of the word. People understood what God wanted because they had the word. And when they were to take the word and they would try and walk into it. Why? Because they had established a paradigm for themselves called the, knowledge of good and, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They'd eaten from that and in that context they were trying to take in the things of God and walk into the fullness of what God had, had available to them. And it was a struggle and it was a failure. But they were at a crossroads because things were changing. All of a sudden, we were moving out of the dimension of the the word and we're stepping into the dimension of the spirit within. Why? Because God, who was on the outside, was so excited because all of a sudden what he could do is he could take his life and put it on the inside of us. All of a sudden, all the things that I knew God wanted me to be was on the inside of me. And God was able to sit and say, fine, it's not about what you know. It's about who you're becoming. The thing about it that's so good is that he doesn't trust us to walk into it. He says, I want you to know something. I'll put my life on the inside of it because my life will walk you into it. His life on the inside is designed to walk us into our destiny, to our original design, be made in the image of God. Don't touch things that are holy. Don't touch things that are holy. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant is moving along. It's housed within it the presence of God and it started shifting and somebody reached up and touched it and they instantly died. They died. They died. If you touch that which is holy, you will die. In the Holy of Holies, nobody could go in there because if you went in there, you would die. 
The only person who could go in was the high priest once a year and he had to go through a whole ceremony to make sure that he was as cleansed as he could get to be able to go into the presence of God. And if he wasn't, what would end up happening is he would die. He had bells on his ankles and if the bell stopped jangling, it meant, okay, pull him out. He's dead. It's true. Go and read it. Daniel said so. You can't touch the things of God because the problem with it is you are a sinner. And when you're a sinner and you touch the things of God, there's instant judgment. And the judgment for, for sin is death. You are a sinner. You touch the things of God and there's judgment and you die. That's why God couldn't come and put his life inside of us. Because we were sinners. You couldn't house the things of God because if God's life came on the inside of us, you would die. Because the judgment for sin is death. That's why Jesus came. The whole point about Jesus walking us into redemption, the whole point about Jesus coming and paying the price so that we could live in a place where we were redeemed was that he provided for us the opportunity so that what could happen is we could move to a place where we were cleansed in the presence of God. He paid the price for the sin of the world. So that you could become a temple that his presence could come into. So that you could become a temple that he could come into. Up until that point, it wasn't possible. But the fruit of Jesus' death was the fact that it made provision for us to house the presence of God. That which is holy comes on the inside of us. Don't touch that which is holy. He put on the inside of us his life and his spirit. Why? Because the spirit is there to sit and say, I'm here to walk you into your original design. I'm taking you back so that you are conformed to the image of God. Every time God reveals something of himself to us, the intention is we allow it to come into our thinking through our emotions and we take it down to the spirit within. And we say, spirit within, I'm looking for you to take the life that is in that word and establish it in the foundation of my life. Because I can't do it. Anytime I try to do it, I eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what ends up happening, it ends up in death. I look, trying. I try really hard to conform to, to what he has for me, but I can't do that. It's only the spirit within that gives us life. It's the spirit within that gives us life. Redemption. When Adam, when Adam sinned, Adam didn't just um, contravene the laws of God, but he died. Died spiritually. He had a sin nature to him. The thing about it is, through redemption, it's not only to move us to a place where we're justified, but it's to give us life. It's to give us life. The problem with it is, for so many Christians, what happens is we embrace what Jesus has done for us, and we thank him for the fact that, uh, that we have the temple, and we can embrace the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. But the thing about it is we never walk into life 
We do half a job. We're thankful that we've got the spirit on the inside of us, but it's not just there to make us aware of, of what it is. It's there to actually conform us to that. So we begin to change and we begin to reflect the life that he wants for us to, to be. He's doing things and changing things on the inside of us. The point for us, having the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, is that he's changing and affecting the root of our life. He's affecting the foundation because the fruit of our life is reflective of the root of our life. The fruit of our life is reflective of the root of our life. It gets back to the whole thing about traveling on 66. Unless the Holy Spirit comes in and unless the Holy Spirit takes and walks me into what it is to be a person who has patience, I will never become that. That's his role is to introduce me and to walk me into that. So it becomes a fundamental part of who I am. It it affects and changes the root of my life so that I live from a place of patience. I'm not trying to be patient. I am patient. It changes me so that when I move to that place and I need to be a person who lives from joy, I'm not trying to be joyful. I am joyful. I can't do those things to me. Only he can. Only he can introduce me to life. Only he can introduce me to life. The challenge that we have is that every time Jesus speaks to us and he shows us an aspect of who he is, his patience, his peace, what he's doing is he's speaking to us about an attribute of his. And what he's saying is the invitation that I'm extending to you is for you to get this established in the root of your life. Every time he speaks to us, We rob the power for it to become the part of our life if we keep it in our head as opposed to letting it get down to our spirit. We rob it of the power to become when we keep it in our intellect and our thinking as opposed to recognizing the need to put it down in the spirit on the inside of me. You see, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. What is it saying? The things that the spirit can do, the flesh is not capable of doing. As long as you live with it in your head, you will know about it. You'll consider it. But we'll live in that dimension where I'm always trying to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. Because only he can create life on the inside of me. Only he can create life. The biggest challenge and the reason that so many Christians struggle with with failure and their inability to walk into victory and all that God has got for them is because we keep truth separated from spirit. We keep the truth in our head and the spirits in our heart. And as long as we keep those two divided, what ends up happening is the seed never has the opportunity to germinate and to grow and become something. We have so many Christians who are a walking storehouse. If you don't plant the seed... You never realize the life that's in the seed. If you don't plant the seed, the life never comes. The challenge with it is we've got so many Christians who spend time in church. We have so many Christians who read great books, who go to different seminars, who have a love for God, who get into the word, who study the word. The problem with it is their barns are full. Their head is full of a whole bunch of stuff. They'll walk you down and they'll show you all the different seed and talk to you about the different seed and where the seed comes from and what the seed can do. Their barns are full of seed, but they've never planted anything. If you don't take it out and you don't plant it in the life, you're never going to realize the fullness of what's inside the seed. The whole point is, 
Once you plant the seed, the Bible speaks about the fact that it just grows and we know not how. It's by the Spirit. What is it saying? It's saying, keep your hands off the stuff that's holy. What it's saying is, you don't have to know how the the Spirit grows the seed on the inside of you. Your responsibility is to plant the seed. When we don't plant the seed, nothing happens. The invitation that God extends to us and what he's looking for us to do is get back to our original design. We were created in the image of God. And as a result of the fall, we moved away from that. But he's made us partakers of his divine nature. Every time we partake of it, it's to eat of it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's put that on the inside of us and he's walking us into a dimension and a reality where we move back to what his original design was for our lives. Not because we're acting like it, not because we're putting on a facade, because it's who we are. So we find ourselves in a similar place to the disciples because I'm at a point with the Jesus that I know and the Jesus that I understand, the Jesus that I feel in control of, I've got to let go of so that I can embrace life in the spirit, so that I can walk into life. And what it means is I'm going to have to shift the way that I I deal with things. There's a paradigm shift that has to take place because in the old paradigm, I could understand and never translated into life, but I could understand. But in the new paradigm, It's all about life taking root on the inside of me and informing who I am. And so I recognize that I can't do that. So I learn to take my hands off things that are holy. Don't try and get involved when it's not your job. Your job is to plant the seed, not to make it grow. Plant the seed, don't make it grow. When you get something from the word of God, Recognize that you have the person of the Holy Spirit living inside you. Develop that relationship. When they talk about a relationship with God, it's not some weird thing about like God out there somewhere and he's with you. He has an opinion on stuff. He wants to speak to you about stuff. He wants to invite you into different things. He wants to have an intimate relationship so that we hear his voice and we can commune with him. That's what he's looking for. The challenge and the, the reason that it's so difficult for so much of the body of, so many of the body of Christ to walk into what God has for us is because we don't have that relationship. So we don't know what to do with the seed. I hope something happens with it. I've got it. Is it in my head or my heart? I don't know. I've got to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've got to know he's there. You see, when I'm operating in, in the dimension of Jesus here in the flesh, what I used to access him is my senses. I listen to what he has to say. I listen to his teaching. I see what he does. I watch what he models for me. I'm learning through my senses. The problem with it is when Jesus goes away and the spirit of truth comes, all of a sudden, it's not dependent on my sense knowledge anymore. Now I have to embrace a whole new paradigm called faith. All of a sudden, I'm learning a new way of doing things because my old way of dealing with stuff doesn't exist anymore. I can't access the spirit by how I feel or what I see. I know he's working on the inside of me, but how do I, I, I engage with that? It's through faith. When the spirit 
comes, he will reveal the things of me. So I take the word of God. And I say to him, Father, I just want to thank you. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are a characteristic of yours is patience. And I want to thank you that your design is that I step back into my original design. And that I become a person of patience. I depend on you, Holy Spirit, to do that work on the inside of me. Because only you can release the life that's in that seed. And I sit and I wait to hear from him. And that's one of the hardest things for the Christian to do. Try it for more than three minutes. I wonder what's for lunch. Where should we go? Oh, sorry, Holy Spirit. I'm going to have to get my kids out of children's church. I can't engage. I'm all over the place. I've got to learn. I've got to train myself to wait on the Holy Spirit. I'm recognizing the fact that I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I honor him by sitting saying, Holy Spirit, you know what? I'm waiting on you. Speak to me about it. I'm waiting to hear what you have to say about things. And he will speak to you. And he will show you things. And he's not going to give you a definition of what it is. He's not going to give you a concept. He's not going to give you an idea. He's going to take it and he's going to sit and say, let me show you what your life looks like in this context. And he's going to illuminate it for you. And I grab a hold of that and I hold on to it for dear life with faith. And I sit and I confess and I say, Father, I want to thank you for Holy Spirit. I thank you what he's doing in my life. I thank you that I'm a person of patience. And I live in that knowledge and that understanding. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I happen to lose it once or twice on 66. Because you know what? That's just fruit that's in the process of changing. Because he who began a good work in me is will be faithful to complete it. Even when I can't see it. He's working. Even when I can't feel it, I'm not going to sing it to you. He's working. He never stops, never stops working. Why? Because he's building on the inside of you. But the day is going to come where you're on 66 and everything goes wrong. And you're going to be there with your wife or your husband and you're going to be as calm as can be. And they're going to look at you and say, what happened to you? And you may not even recognize it until they say something. And then you suddenly go, you know, I'm not used to responding this way. You're right. Why? Because I'm changed. I'm being taken back to my original design. He's doing something inside of me that I can't do. Don't try and be the God of your life. Don't grab hold of the things of the spirit and think that you can make them a reality and truth and life inside of yourself. We get dependent on the Holy Spirit to do that. And we live in the expectation of what he's doing. We live in the expectation of stepping back into the original design that he has for us so that I become the person that he's called me to be.